Okay, I want to talk about sadistic behavior. This is actually common behavior um, in the fashion industry in New York City, where, you know, whether it's the buyer purchasing fashion collections or it's bosses, particularly at the top, um, it's, it's not unheard of. And this, these are true examples that I've either witnessed or um, experienced directly myself. Um, one occasion I witnessed the owner of the company um, telling a designer that they couldn't leave the office until they sketched up about 50 different bags. And this was on a Friday. And I remember just watching this designer sitting at her desk, just bawling her eyes out. And it was just, it was not realistic to have this designer sketch up 50 bags in an entire week, let alone sketching it up before she leaves on a Friday for the weekend. You know, that owner was just being sadistic. And this designer was young. She didn't know any better. And she didn't know how to handle the situation. And, you know, especially when you're in the workplace and a boss is doing this to you, particularly the owner of the company, it's really difficult to navigate that because if you just, you know, leave when everyone else is leaving, you know, it creates this fear of you losing your job. And that's the root of sadistic behavior. They're, they're manipulating you and, and it's emotional cruelty through the use of fear. That's the root of it. And so, you know, watching this designer, you know, cry. I, I remember all of us designers, we, we felt really bad for this particular person. And so we all pitched in and we all, you know, took some bags and we, you know, we all pitched in and helped her and we sketched a bunch of them up for her. And instead of watching her suffer, we all alleviated the stress. But at the same time, all of us, recognized collectively as a team that he was an asshole. He was being cruel and sadistic. And what was even worse is his daughter was the same age as this designer. And so it made me question, like, how do you treat your own daughter? If you're treating your own co-workers or your own employees this way, it's really manipulation and cruelty. And people that are sadistic, they take pleasure in this because, you know, they it makes them feel empowered, it makes them, you know, they're aggressive. So and this guy was the owner of the company. And, you know, a lot of bosses in the fashion industry you know, they behave like this and they get away with it. And that's even worse. They get away with it. And, you know, that's why a lot of designers don't last more than like two to three years at various companies. And then they move on. And, you know, I can remember another example of, you know, one designer was just tired of working at this company and he had an interview and we all, he told us, you know, we're all designers and he told us that he had an interview. And so we all strategically helped him 
you know, go on this interview. You know, we told him you cannot show up in the office wearing a suit. You cannot, you know, bring in the portfolio because then it's going to look like you're interviewing and you could potentially get fired. And so we, we kind of plotted it out and we helped him. You know, we're like, you know, okay, we, we decided and we helped him decide, okay, leave your suit and your portfolio at the gym. And so he left on his lunch hour and ran over to the gym, changed into his suit, grabbed his portfolio, went on the interview, came back wearing the same clothes that he wore in the morning. He ended up getting the job, but it's just, you know, the things that we have to go through um, just to move to the next level or to move to the next job opportunity. And these were things that I'd never seen before. You know, I, I didn't work in the fashion industry the first, you know, 12 years of my career. I worked for big Fortune 500 companies, so I didn't experience this level of sadistic abuse it wasn't until I got into the fashion industry in Manhattan that I was like, whoa, this is nuts. The way some of these people were treated, I mean, I can remember just, there's just so many examples. Um, th- this other owner, I had to go into his office to show him some design concepts. And so I just casually glanced at his computer monitor. But what I wasn't expecting was he had 10 different windows open. And each window was a window that represented the email of each designer. And what this owner was doing is he was monitoring and reading every single designer's email correspondence which was shocking for me that I I learned this. And it it just felt like this invasion of privacy. And granted, I understand that he owned the company. He, you know, this is his business. But the fact that he was monitoring and reading every single email that we either had coming in or going out, it felt like he was cyber-stalking us. And I I told the designers, like, look, this is what I saw. I'm just giving you guys a heads up. So what we did, what we decided to do was we started sending fake emails to each other. They were real emails, but the information was fake. Just to mess with him a little bit, because we knew, again, this, this guy was sadistic. So we would send emails like, hey, oh my God, did you see the mouse in the showroom? And then another designer would respond, oh my God, I just saw it. Another designer, no, I haven't seen it. And so it was our way of messing with him. We never told him that it was all made up. There was no mouse. And then we, you know, a few weeks later, we started in with like the fake cockroach. Oh my God, did you guys see the cockroach in the kitchen? There was never a cockroach. No one saw a cockroach, but it was just our way of messing with him. And what was really funny is the day after the mouse spotted in the showroom, the exterminator showed up. And then the day after the, the cockroach spotted in the kitchen, the exterminator showed up again. And so, 
you know, it was just, <laughs> but we made it up. There was no mouse, there was no cockroach. But it was just our way of messing with him because we knew that he was like cyber stalking us. And it made us really, really uncomfortable because it, it's like you were being watched constantly. It's like he was, par- that, and that's an example of paranoia, you know, constantly under, like, being monitored. He was paranoid. I don't know what he was paranoid of. You know, maybe he's afraid of what we were saying behind his back, and this is his way of finding out exactly what we were saying behind his back. But we, we would not have had an issue with him if he would have just stopped this nonsense and just if he would have behaved like a professional businessman and business owner you know we were just designers we just wanted to go in design product you know work on trends and go home and get our and collect our paycheck all the designers got along we were all friends we would go out for cocktails and you know we'd go out and you know to pubs after work we all got along you know the, the work there was a lot of work to be done But, you know, as a designer, you just want to create beautiful product. That's it. But the level of sadism and the level of sadistic behavior and paranoia at the top of the food chain. There's a saying in the New York fashion industry that the fish rots starting with the head. That is a statement that I've heard for decades. And that means that... If the leadership at the top is bad, then the whole fish is going to rot. And the statement is the the fish rots starting with the head. And that's how, you know, we all felt about this business owner. You know, he's wasting his time reading every single one of our emails. And eventually, this was long after we all quit and moved on, but eventually he went out of business, which didn't surprise any of us. You know, he was so focused on things that really didn't matter. He was so focused on things that did not bring in orders. You know, he had a very disturbed personality. And we, we played into it. We messed with him. It was our way of dealing with him. I'm not saying it's right. This was many, many years ago. And we, all of us, we were a lot younger then. And, you know, when you have someone that's like that, behaving like that, it brings out the worst in people. I will say that. But sadistic people, let's look at some of the traits of sadistic people. They enjoy seeing people hurt. They enjoy it. And, you know, some of these people in the fashion industry, they enjoy torturing you. They enjoy it. They enjoy giving you 50 bags to sketch up on a Friday night and telling you you can't leave, even if it means working till midnight. Well, if this person really understood how design works and how long it really takes and was really honest about it, he would understand that 50 bags would take more than a week. But he enjoyed torturing some of the designers. And this, you know, these sadists, they also enjoy hurting people physically, sexually, and emotionally. And they're abusive. This is abuse. 
you know, they think that hurting someone is exciting. Well, you know, we, we were, as we became a group, the designers became a group. And so when you messed with one designer, you were messing with all of us. So we ended up working together to help the other person out. If one designer wanted to go on a job interview, we were all helping that one designer so that that designer would be successful. And when lunchtime rolled around and that designer left to go on the interview and the owner or his boss was looking for him, we would all stall. We would say, oh, I just saw him. He, I think he's in the showroom. When we knew that he left, but we would all play, we were all, we were all in on it to help each other out. You know, these sadistic people, they do it for their own enjoyment. You know, so we just played along, but we, you know, the designers, we all became a, a group supporting each other because we weren't getting support from the top. We weren't getting support from the owner. You know, we were expendable resources. They didn't care about us, so therefore we didn't care about them. But we cared about each other, meaning the designers. We all cared about each other. And sadistic people also have fantasies involving hurting other people. And these people, they hurt people because they can. And, you know, they also humiliate other people to keep them in line. Like this owner, you know, saying to this young designer, you can't leave until you sketch all these bags. Well, he humiliated her in front of all of us. But we all see, we all saw through him. And we all ended up supporting her. You know, another thing about sadistic people is they get so angry, they just want to hurt someone. And we were that someone. The designers usually are the people that get hurt. You know, it's easy if sales are down or the buyer doesn't like the idea. It's really easy to throw the designer under the bus. Oh, it's the designer's fault. And that's something that's very common. Or like, oh, we need to fire someone. Oh, let's fire the designer. When the designers, it may not be the designer at all. It may be a really weak salesperson. It may be a horrible buyer who has, you know, doesn't understand what's happening in their own stores. There's a lot of variables for that equal a very successful brand or a successful collection. You know, buyers need to understand what's happening in their store. They need to understand and study their consumer. Because designers, we can design product all day long, but if their consumer is, uh, is buying on average a $200 bag and we're designing $500 bag, bags, that's the fault of the, the buyer, not the designer. We should be designing $200 bags, not $500 bags. So there's, there's a lot of variables. You know, but when you recognize sadistic behavior, you can't unsee it. You know, anger and aggression and narcissism all go together. 
And you know, really one thing to watch for is when someone is being aggressive, watch their face. Because a person that's truly angry and they're upset, they don't have a facial expression of like pleasure or happiness. A sadistic person does. A sadistic person, when they are, you know, being aggressive or sadistic or, you know, mean, their face shows a little bit of pleasure. And that's what's really disturbing. And these people, you know, they're in our, they walk among us. They're in our life. They're everywhere. Now they take pleasure in inf- inflicting pain on others. I think there's a term Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude. Um, that's the people who take pleasure at the misfortune of others. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the word correctly, but Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude. You know, it's the people that deliberately hurt people that they take pleasure in it. You know, so you, you can call these people sociopaths because people that hurt other people and then they have a lack of empathy, when, when, you, when a person doesn't have empathy, that's a sociopath. And they're dangerous. And they're cruel. They're very cruel. Cruel.